everybody. It's Sarah Benincasa back on your favorite daily stress relief podcast inspired by a global pandemic. Well, this isn't normal. I am very happy today to get to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Alicia Hanna. Um, sometimes she goes by Ali, sometimes she goes by Alicia. I called her Alicia for a long time, like really a long time, like most of our friendship. <laughs> Like she just corrected me on it the other day, even though our other friend had corrected me on it a few weeks ago. And so I course corrected and started saying Alicia. And then I uh, forgot and started saying Alicia again. <laughs> She's great. She's so funny. She is a Korean, Australian, American. She is married to the spectacular Sebastian Rocher, who is a French, UK, American person. So between the two of them, so many passports and just wonderful, welcoming people. Ali is really talented. She's really thoughtful. She's so, so smart. This is the first podcast she's ever been on. I'm delighted delighted because you know she's an actress she's been on tv shows and stuff and so it didn't even occur to me i figured oh yeah she must have done a you know podcast for some reason or another over the years you know, promoting something or this or that but nope and i'm so excited i think she should have her own podcast be a host on the tv be an interviewer she's you know i mean just so smart mind like a steel trap that one so i think you're going to enjoy her a lot this podcast is sponsored by me. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa is where you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month and you get daily content Monday through Friday. So I would certainly appreciate the assistance. Maybe I'll get a new microphone. I definitely have thoughts about building some sort of recording situation, like a studio in my house. Not really building it, but maybe just, I don't know, putting up some soundproofing stuff in my closet. Who knows? Who knows? I have friends who are professional voiceover actors and they build these weird boxes in their house and stick their heads in them. So it's, I don't know, it's a whole world. Anyway, I'm very glad that you're here. You can also go to matrushka.com and um, use offer code SARA for 20% off. Plus free shipping. Hooray. Wonderful things. I also want to shout out my friend Jeanette Goldstein's company. Uh, I am not a brand affiliate. I'm just a big fan. She has helped lift me and support me in many ways. JeanetteBras.com. J-E-N-E-T-T-E Bras.com. If you go to JeanetteBras.com, you see something you like, what you do is you, you know, you cut and paste or, or you just write down what the hell you want. You email her info at JeanetteBras.com and you say, hey, I love this prima donna bra. It is gorgeous. I want the color scarlet. I want full coverage. And my size is 34H. And this is the deal. I have offer code TITSMCGEE, T-I-T-S-M-C. G-E-E, Tits McGee, because I listen to Sarah Benicotis' podcast, and I want 15% off plus free shipping, damn it, Jeanette. And Jeanette, or somebody who works for her, which is a very, very small team now, because they were brick-and-mortar shops only, now they got to do online stuff, they'll go, okay, cool, and they'll send you a bra. So, Tits McGee, go to JeanetteBras.com, pick yourself out something nice, email them, you know. Or you can go through... Uh, 
you can go through their Instagram if you want to as well. There's no reason that your beautiful, bountiful bosoms should not be supported at a time like this. I mean, come on. I don't know who that was. <laughs> All right, let's get into this interview with Alicia Hanna. Have fun. I'm here with my friend Alicia Hanna, whose name I constantly pronounce as Alicia. <laughs> but it's Al Al Ali or Alicia Hanna. She comes to us from the country of Australia, except that she lives in the United States and has 17 passports. Hi. Hi. How are you? Um, still alive. Yeah. Happily. Um, we're doing well. It's not normal, which is why we're here. This is well, this isn't normal. Exactly. Not Not you normal. go, you go, you go like way more Aussie when um, you do like a bit. Like, well, this isn't normal. Nah. Well, this isn't normal. No, I get really Australian when things get serious. So if I'm talking about makeup, it's really kind of a high pitched joy of like, oh my God, this highlighter is so glowy. <laughs> You can do the accent. You can do the accent because I taught you the way in, which is, um, it's two words. It's one of America's most beloved peoples. Yeah. Um, it's, wait for it, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, that's so smart. I love that your your friend shared that with you. and then Yeah, you I stole that from my friend. <laughs> and it's, it's so good. It's So I would just start, this is how I get into it. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. There you go. Yes. A comedian really, friend told me this. Yes. And it's it really hers and she owns that. When, <laughs> when we hit the O, the, um, it, it really starts to get there when you get the Lopez. Yeah. You have to get all the vowels in because, you know, an Australian no is not a no, it's a no. And so you get, you get every single vowel in. It's just value no. of money. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You also do, uh, I mean, uh, you also are obviously a, a very skilled actress, duh, but you also do the no. best, like, L.A. I can do one or fucking, two things tops. You do really good. No, you can, like, dance and fight, and you're, like, good at stuff, and you can play piano, and you can sing, but the truly your strongest skill in my belief system is your, like, general Los Angeles sort of girl accent. Um, which I probably stole from you guys, because... Like being around you is is like stepping into a television for me, and <laughs> I love I love the strained sort of you know tiny little vocal cords that people have here. They're so <laughs> thin. They're so thin. You know who does a great one is uh, Annie Murphy, I believe is her name, who plays. Uh, the sister on or on Schitt's Creek, and mm. she gives herself that vocal. I think it's called vocal fry, right? That yeah. like, kind of yeah. like whatever. And hearing an interview with her is fascinating. I was listening to the Crooked Media podcast, Keep It, which is really funny. I think you and and Sebastian, Sebastian Rocher, your handsome husband. I suspect you guys would, at least you would, I, and Sebastian might sometimes like enjoy this this podcast, Keep It, because it's all about pop culture. And they yeah. um they had her on, and I realized. Oh my God! You know I have friends like like you, for example, Miss Alicia Hanna. Um, but I've got plenty of friends who are actors. I know that 
roles are not who you are. Like you played a very mysterious, sexy uh, <laughs> woman of indeterminate Asian origin, as far as I could tell, on Hawaii Five O recently. Where was she from? She was a. I w- she's not a crazy rich Asian. I would say she's just like a, a vaguely British sort of colonial Asian. Because a friend of mine called me and was like, oh, "You're definitely wealthy." And you're mm-hmm. most likely from a former British colony. And I was like, yes. You went somewhere. to boarding school or school or something. Something. That character was very fancy. In an yes. alley, talking to a handsome man, but very elegant. So handsome. I, I, I love a symmetrical face. So Ugh. it was just, it was blinding for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, well I, so I know, I know that, like, for example, you're not um, a fancy like uh, maybe boss, not like a woman who maybe has dated a mob boss or has criminal information. No, I wish I, mean, I did. That would make me more interesting. Um, no, I don't. I don't have any criminal connections at this point. But we will start. But some. we will but like, see. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, the night I is young. That I was watch, I was listening to this interview with this actress, Annie Murphy, and that, and it still happens to me with other actors and actresses as well. Like. I can't believe that I still get startled. Oh, they're not their character. When her, her speaking voice, this Canadian actress, it's not you guys. Oh, my God. Right? Okay. It's a little bit Alexis. That's not the way she speaks. And I'm yeah, like, no. wow, magic. I think it's like the most useful tool that you have as a performer is your voice. Um, a friend of mine who's a writer was saying that um, when he gives out acting advice to people on set, the very first thing he says is to get a vocal coach. Um, or a voice coach, because there's so many things that you can do. You can be all up here and it's like a really interesting person, or you can be really sort of deep in your chest and be a kind of Australian vogue and, and kind of relax your valves. Tell everybody what, I just realized I'm totally fang- holding my microphone in a hilarious way. Um, <laughs> so, whatever, we'll make it work. Um, tell everybody what what is a bogan? A bogan is a lovable redneck. Um, it's a term of endearment and it's not a bad thing to be a bogan. Things can be bogan. It can be, it can be, um, a way of life or, or a style of dressing, but it's not, it's not entirely a bad thing. I think a lot of, you know, insults in Australia are really kind of cushioned with a lot of love. So it's very hard to offend an Australian person. You can go all the way up to a C word and it's really, it's really just like it. I love you. We can so. say cunt on this podcast. It's oh, okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to drop a thunder cunt somewhere. No, we can totally just say, fun. we can call people thunder cunts. Like, yes, I, so I many through, thunder cunts. <laughs> there's and an age. earlier uh, edition of this podcast, an earlier episode in which I went through, I don't remember if it was, maybe it was uh, episode four with, with actor Alex Winter, where when I was doing the intro, which I usually record in my closet, which is now owned by my rescue cat, Polly, um, I was saying how I went through this thing where thinking, oh, no, people are home with their children. People will get angry if um, if I if I curse. And then I was like, that's absolutely delusional, Sarah. Nobody's going to give a shit if you curse. People know what podcasts are like. Yeah. People might get quite angry if you say something nasty, racist, deeply sexist, hateful, but that's not who you are. I mean, I'm hateful sometimes, but you know, <laughs> I've really been letting the hate out in my texts with Al- Ali, which are not, <laughs> I would say it's not racist and sexist hate. It's just, uh, 
a lot of rage at, at willful ignorance, people yes. who are willfully ignorant. But, yes. you know, yeah, we can swear because people can put the headphones in. And if the kids are home, you know, earmuffs, earmuffs on the kids. And also kids are smart and, you know, so fuck it. We can say cunt. Yeah, fuck it. Well, I just feel like, you know, I don't, I don't like it when people are sort of falsely polite um, because I think that, you know, ultimately at all times you want the truth and sometimes it's going to be, you know, with a swear word, it's kind of like, you know, with, with information right now about coronavirus or COVID-19 that um, people like, oh, no, I don't want to hear. I don't want to I don't want to know the details. It's so awful. I just want to I want to check out. And and I'm, my thing is really sort of, you know, buck up because the more the more information you have, the more prepared you are. So it's not really a time as an adult person to sort of willfully be ignorant and sort of bubble yourself away from facts because, I mean, for me, as unpleasant um, as some of the reports are that are coming out of Northern Italy, um, really graphic accounts of, of wartime triage in hospitals and hospitals and the horrible symptoms of coronavirus. I, you know, I still want to know those things so that I can mentally prepare myself for what is inevitably going to engulf our system. So, you know, I, I, and, and so in conclusion, I love to swear. <laughs> it's because quite, it gets my point across it's quite therapeutic and also yes the way that we receive the way that we obtain information one can pick and choose and still be informed right like i don't watch president trump's i yes. hate even saying his fucking name I, I, I refer to him as the impeached president i think yes. that is really the yes. way to refer that's to him a, no that's wonderful the yes. impeached president i yes. don't listen to the impeached president's briefings or watch him. Now, I might read a transcript because it's easier yes. for me to process process uh, difficult, um, at difficult material. It's easier for me to process it slowly through text. That's me. Yes. Everybody's a bit different. Uh, but also, I can read reliable reportage. Typically, <laughs> I, I'll, I will look at the Washington Post, sometimes the New York Times. I'll look at the Los Angeles Times. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will read reli reasonably reliable news sources, um, NPR, that are not going to alter the words. They're going to just write the words down. I can read them. For me, it becomes a visceral rage experience. And I just Definitely. Want to hear the voice of a racist monster. So I, I have read. blocked him on Twitter because I find his Twitter feed just staggering. Um, and so that really inspires a lot of rage in me. I do, I do consume some footage of his lying press conferences, let's just call them what they are. Um, and uh, that comes to me through other news shows or different clips on Twitter. And I think everything he says is useless and he's a worthless person. Yeah, um, he's not doing anything. No, 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 he's not useful. doing anything. No, but, it's, but it is important to know what's going on. You have to know what's going on. You cannot um, sort of shut yourself away and just think, oh, I mean, as much as I would love it, no man is an island. Yeah, you know? it would be great to live on our own gorgeous little independent oh, islands, literally or metaphorically, but but we the can't best. do that. And I feel like you've stayed so engaged. And especially, I want to talk about what you experienced 
earlier this year, you were went home for vacation in Sydney yeah. to well to visit your family for Christmas. And I feel as your friend that you, you've always been. I mean, since I I got to know you about a year and a half ago, almost I guess our anniversary is January first. It's very easy to remember. <laughs> we met at. I'll just say for the listeners, we I met Alicia and Sebastian at a pajama brunch on New Year's Day 2019 at the home of our friends Allegra Riggio Harris and Jared Harris. And I was wearing Doctor Who pajamas because I forgot that I was going to the home of an acclaimed British actor uh, and that that meant that there would be or just even if Jared wasn't uh, even if Jared wasn't acclaimed and brilliant, right, there would be He's British. He's an actor. There's going to be British actors there. And Doctor Who is like their law and order. So, of course, (laughs) I fucking get there. And who do I see but the actor who did a guest starring role in a couple episodes, actually, of Doctor Who, one of which is the my favorite episode of television, not of Doctor Who, of television ever, TV. You've heard of it. Your streamings, your internet's TVs, your your offline's TVs, like which is uh, episode ten, series five of the reboot. It's called Vincent and the Doctor. It's written by Richard Curtis, and it guest stars Tony Curran. Curran or Curran? How do you say Tony's last? I name? think Curran. I think Curran. Yeah, as uh, as Vincent Van Gogh. It is beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. So I'm wearing a fucking. It's like I've said this a few times. It's like. It's like I walked into a fucking party at at goddamn Carrie Fisher's house wearing a fucking Star Wars T-shirt and a Slave Leia baseball cap. Anyway, so I'm just – it's not really like that, but that's how it felt. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so I'm, of course, like, oh, my God, I feel so awkward. Not that any actor hates it when you're, like, you're a fan, but I couldn't even tell Tony that because I just was like, that's too weird. Um, But um, anyway, so then I look and there's this, like – there's this, like, Korean – goddess emerging from the mists. There were no mists. I'm making that up. Uh, And she's wearing a a unicorn onesie. And I just looked at her walking up and I was like, that's my friend. You were (laughs) right. right. I am your friend. You are my friend. I didn't even let you get in the door. I was like, you look great. (laughs) I was like, quick, be my friend. Yeah. And I was like, that's my friend. Um, So you are my friend and from Australia. But tell me, tell us about what you experienced when you went home to Sydney. Already one of my more environmentally conscious friends who I learned from, but but it feels I feel like that was a very profound experience to say the least. Yeah, I mean I've I've grown up with bushfires, like in bushfire season. So it's not unusual to me to associate Christmas and summer with the smell of fire and and having that, you know, some of the more severe fires go on for an extended period of time. Um, this time it was different. This time it was it was earth changing and scary and apocalyptic. Uh, this time I could not leave my parents' house unless it was to get into another air conditioned space. So I got in a car. I went to the mall. You know, I did. I couldn't really um, be outside. It was really the air was choking. People were. Mm, uh, Australian people are really resilient, but it, it was definitely undeniable that what was happening was unprecedented and devastating. Um, so it was a really unpleasant experience, um, but also necessary because that's what's happening. The Amazon is on fire. 
no one's doing anything. And, and then um, to go home um, and watch my own country just go up in flames, you realize, oh, we're, we're, really, we're really approaching that sort of, or past the tipping point um, for climate change and um, who knows where we're headed in the future. So, I mean, and this is a small note. I, I, during one of the more uh, smoke-filled days, I did get in my car and go to a mall and sort of take shelter in, in a movie theatre, and the only thing that was playing was Frozen 2. And I'm not a child, but I was like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Let it go and go inside. And I went inside, and I sort of just took refuge for two hours watching these cute little people sing about ice skating. Um, and then about a week ago, Disney was like, we're releasing Frozen 2. Um, for all of you parents stuck at home. And I was like, God damn it, I just want to stop watching this movie. Stop <laughs> giving me Frozen 2 to self-soothe my way out of this apocalypse. Please, let's get some solutions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really uh, awful time for Australia. And I think now on top of that, a couple of months later, we have this global pandemic. And it's just, yeah, I mean, you can't deny that we're in this inextricably linked future of having to cooperate to address these problems. Um, and we can't afford to do that with mild political boost. We can't afford to do that with um, a maniac in the White House. No, that's absolutely accurate. Tell me why you decided to become uh, an American citizen and when, when did you decide? I wanted to become an American, American citizen because I wanted to vote. Um, because I've lived here for some time and I wanted to participate. I love America and uh, I really did want to cast my vote for the first American woman, exceedingly qualified woman president. And, um, and you did? You did cast that vote? I didn't get to actually because they didn't, they didn't process American bureaucracy. Oh. They didn't get to process our um, application until after when she had lost and um, we were being sworn in in a different age. But I love America and I'm, I really relish the chance to get to vote now and I'm very politically active and I'm engaged. I, I feel that that's almost, um, almost a taboo thing here because politics is such a minefield and it's really so extreme. Um, and, but I really have discovered that my personality is such that I cannot not say the things that I want to say and post or tweet or share or be engaged or, like, does this affect me negatively? Do people not want to hear? I mean, you know, no one really cares what I have to say, but, you know, if somebody goes to my page and is like, oh, I hate her views, is that bad? And then you just kind of, like, have to let all of that go and, and just be like, well, no, I mean... You know, these are things that I would defend till the end, which is, you know, I'm really against fascism and racism and walls and stupidity and I love science. And then those are things that I'm willing to... <laughs> I love I love science makes me very... Like, all of that yeah. makes me very happy, but... And I love science. And, and I love science, a, and which is weird because I was so absurd. bad at science, but, but I love but it like, now. Isn't it absurd to have to say that? Like, that yeah. I love science, not just as... When I was younger, I think that um, saying I love science would just be, it would not have political implications. Just, oh, right. I love science. But now right. it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, at risk of sounding like a, an old granny, I think that, like, when I was younger, there was not this sense of, like, well, that may be factually correct, but here's how I feel. 
mm-hmm. about it. It's like there was no room for that ever. Um, and so it never stops being shocking to me now that people are allowed to just spout opinion over fact and then people will believe that. Um, that's really weird to me. Um, yeah, that's something I, I haven't gotten used to at all. Well, Ali, I would love to talk to you again another time, but I don't want to keep you forever. I mean, you know, for the podcast, I'll talk to you again all day. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get back to texting. <laughs> yay! But tell me more about, tell the people more about, the humans, more about where they can find you on these internets. And then I have one more question for you, which is actually kind of a heavy question, but let's let's set it up in a weird way like that. Tell us where we can where we can I love find this. It's like it's like of, open therapy. Uh, Alicia Hanna. I am okay, so one of the things I think that I would love to be sort of too cool for school for is Twitter, but I'm not. I love it. I'm addicted to it. It's a massive self-soother and and source of information and hilarity and jokes for me. So I, if you want to interact with me, I am on my Twitter, at Alicia Hanna. I'm always there. And um, I, I kind of forgot about Instagram, but, you know, Twitter is the place to find me. Um, if you're, you're the in only, LA... I think you're the, the only, like, hot person I know who's forgotten about Instagram. <laughs> I just... <laughs> You, you know, I love Instagram for certain things, um, but then I don't want to participate in a lot of it. So, you know, it's hard for me to um, want to sort of shove my face into the feed. You know, it's it's. I love to watch other people's content, um, but well, I'm really hesitant twi- about what I share now. Yeah, and, and Twitter is also a more, this is going to sound really weird, but it is, I think, a more intellectual exchange potentially because you're actually expressing opinions and the such in a in a format that is built for conversation instagram is built for reaction and like oh you look hot and also you you know as a a somewhat public individual with a somewhat public individual as a spouse you also want to be careful about you know showing people uh private things because people you never know i mean listen you don't have to be a public individual in the least or on screens for people to get weird about about you. It's just right? easier to be funnier on Twitter yeah. because it's, you know, words and jokes and, and links and, and, you know, I love, I love the sense of like when someone does something, you know, everyone just like piles on with like a billion jokes. Like that's so fun. Um, yeah. With Instagram, I like have a real worry for the young folk out there that, that you really visually get overwhelmed and that it is not the truth of everybody's lives. Um, people really only post the good parts. And then, you know, it, it's a really isolating tool if you use it incorrectly. Um, so, yeah, I sort of developed a conscience about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should be careful what I share because I don't want to make someone feel bad. So I try to f- share something that's like funny or joyous or like a piece of music or like a silly thing of me dancing or like a nice view, you know, and then it also warps like the way that you look at yourself as well. You know, yeah. the, the pressure to look a certain way or be a certain way or have the right thing. That's another thing. It, it made me really tired of consumerism. Um, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to see what you bought and what you're wearing. I just don't care anymore. I'd rather see what you baked, to be honest. I've become Martha Stewart. So if you have a baking feed, uh, yeah, I'm on that. Like, I'm thirsty for that. 
It uh, that also is reflected, in my opinion, in the way that you live, like your physical surroundings in your house. You guys have, when I go to your house, I feel like I could pick out almost anything and ask you, and you would have a story and know what it was and why it was there. And it yeah, but that's not like, us trying to be cool. We're just not good at home decorating. <laughs> no, I love our home decorating. It doesn't. It's wonderful because it it doesn't feel. You know, your house doesn't feel like a a cold. It no, it's not constructed. Sterile. It's not constructed, and we're not we're not um, interested in in going out and buying all of like restoration hardware or like crate and barrel. I don't know. We have a lot of old stuff in our house that have come from other lives and you know other places and other apartments, and we just have we have a lot of church keys. I feel which. Yeah, you know, but not not like overabundant. I mean, obviously, we could all be living with a lot less. But when I go to your yeah. house, like, okay, I'm looking at my house, which is a, granted rather small. It's like 600 square feet, and I'm I'm I've got things that I'm going to um, get rid of and and give away because it's just bullshit that I don't need. But when I go to your house, when I go to your house, I look around and I go, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel. If it's not a minimalist place, no, by any means. <laughs> But it just feels like, oh, okay, everything is in its place. Like, this is how it's, you know, I don't know. You know I love the way you live. I'm always like, Chateau Rocher is the best. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want to bake pies and, like, play musical instruments with friends. That's that's kind of all I want to do. And, like, hang out with my dog. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I <gasps> well, really kind of, like, let go of, of all the other stuff. That's not that. All the other stuff, especially now, everybody knows that – all, all the things that you thought were super important, they're just not important. The only thing that matters right now are like the tiniest things, like how good your toast tastes in the morning or like, <laughs> is your mom doing well? Like, does she have enough right now? Does she need, like my mom texted me the other day and she was like, my CD player broke. And I was like, okay, I'll get you new one. That's so cute. Who <laughs> <laughs> uses CDs? Yeah. I love it. It's so cute. So, you know, like the tiniest things and like the, the most important things right now. Well, here is, okay, so here's, I have, I basically have two remaining questions. Do you need to run right now? I no, I love this. It's so fun. Okay, good. Where you am I running have... to? We're under quarantine. We could literally <laughs> talk for 10 hours and I'd be like, this is just the most amazing day. I've you become, should... I tell you what, I've become both the most childish version of myself, but also the oldest version of myself. So I, I you know, when you're a child and you just sort of have no sense of the future and really no sense of time. And so you do really cool things like cartwheels and handstands and you hula hoop and you read a book every now and then. Like I'm that kid now, but I'm also like a granny where, where, you know, like now it's also about like sitting still and being quiet and that's enough. And just eating yeah. a slice of cake, you know, like so. I just <laughs> I've divided myself into like baby alley and granny alley. That's what we're doing. Well, I was thinking about the fact that so many people that that we know and people we don't know have shared stories. Uh, Asian humans have humans of Asian extraction living in the United States have shared stories of dealing with racism or stories of their mom and dad. Um, especially, I feel like I, I can't tell if elders are getting it more or younger people, or if it's just equal across the board. I was wondering first, if you've heard anything similar from Australia, where I know the situation's different in terms of how much of the virus is there or popping out. And also, like, how you how you manage 
that, this is a big question, and I recognize that I'm your, you know, white friend walking with a lot of white privilege asking this. So um, I'm, I'm telling the listeners to take my questioning with a big grain of salt because it's not the most educated and certainly not from my lived experience. But I'm wondering, like, how you deal with that without screaming at somebody or kicking them in the face or setting everything on fire, like... <sighs> But I feel like that's something that probably is uh, an issue all the time when you're dealing with shitheads. Like, it's not particular to this virus. It just seems like it's coming out in the open more. I had a friend who's, I I mean, and she shared this publicly, uh, Marcella Arguello. um, Somebody, and she's, uh, her family, I believe, is El Salvadoran. Somebody at the grocery store called her mom a dirty Mexican the other day. Uh, Just out of... No Can you imagine calling anybody's mom something like that? It's, a dirty it's fill in the blank. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. Marcella yeah. tweeted about it and she said that her mom, she asked her mom if her mom was okay. And her mom just said, it's not my fault she hates herself. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so with the context that racism is everywhere all the time, it does seem like it's popping. And I think it's especially, although that's a Latinx person getting it, it does seem like a lot of, Asian folks are talking about it online. And I'm wondering how you fucking deal with that without burning everything down. Cause I'm projecting my need to burn everything down. Yeah. So I think the first thing is when the president of the United States calls a virus that is scientifically named COVID-19 or more commonly referred to as coronavirus as Chinese flu or Chinese virus or Kung flu, um, the president of the United States, the so-called most powerful human on the planet, what that does instantly is put a target on the back of every Asian in America. That is undeniable. Um, I felt that immediately. I myself am not Chinese, but I am Asian. There is no, it is, it is a phenomenally stupid, hateful uh, thing to do. Um, and actually just talking about it now makes me feel insanely upset. But it, you know, angry. But yeah, it's it. That's what it does. It immediately makes you feel that you have a target on you, and that you have to be more careful. Um, you know, if you pull yourself out of the hate and stupidity of that one individual, or the few individuals in that administration that are referring to it um, that way, I think for me, because I intellectualize all my problems, I immediately walk past the emotional hate of it. And just get to the point of that's not going to help. <laughs> that's not going to help you manufacture your ventilators. It's not going to help you deliver your so-called 500 million masks that you've promised that haven't materialized. It's not going to hide the fact that your administration was unprepared for this and then actively denied it. It's not going to hide anything. Um, and I've said this at historically racism never ages well. It's just a really useless way to channel your fear and put blame on someone, uh, on someone else, on the other. And I feel a lot of solidarity with other minority cultures. So, you know, Black Lives Matter or President Trump, I'm sorry, the impeached President Trump referring to all Mexicans are, are, are bad hombres. You know, these are such reckless, insane words. Um, and it immediately diminishes an entire race of people um, and dehumanizes them. And that's historically a precedent to violence. And, and so, yeah, I think American people have to ask themselves, 
what's going on and who, who are they if they've elected someone who incites violence, which I think is actually a crime to incite violence. <laughs> but I mean, it's a hurtful, horrible thing. It's useless in this time of real emergency. But it's very useful for somebody who wants to divert focus from the utter yeah. incompetence of his administration. Like he's, uh, he yeah. is, he is a very good marketer, always has been. He is. And uh, one great way to m- market, or excuse me, one great way when you have a product that sucks, whether it's uh, yeah. a bicycle or an administration, is to p- pull focus and shoot the focus elsewhere. So he's really, um, yeah. he, he's absolutely, when people say, oh, he's so stupid, I'm like, no, he is stupid, but he's also very smart. You can be both. He's, he's, he's also um, someone you just can't possibly manage in any way. Because when you have no sense of shame, I mean, there's no low too low. So it's, it's unmanageable. And I really wish, I mean, you know, I think Rachel Maddow said yesterday that she wishes they would just stop doing briefings and and having live briefings for him because it's just um, a way for him to hold rallies and lie. I wish there was, I mean, this is, maybe I've watched too much West Wing, but I just wish that the entire White House press call. Yeah, no no such such thing. thing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so one of my coping mechanisms is to go back and watch the West Wing and pretend that it's real. Um, but yeah, I wish the entire White House press corps would just stand up and turn their backs on him. I mean, someone threw a shoe at Bush. Why can't we just turn our backs on him symbolically that you, it's not going to be tolerated? Isn't that what you do to a child that continually lies and misbehaves? I don't know. No, I, ideally, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's, there's a, and the emperor has no clothes, but the emperor's yes. acolytes don't care because yeah. he is doing all of the things that they love the most um, and carrying yeah. out all of their worst, most racist, uh, xenophobic, isolationist, wet dreams. Yeah, just unconstructive, unhelpful. And uh, I mean, it's going to harm. I, I, you know, I think collectively, everyone has a lot of mental trauma for the, from the last four years of Trump being president. And I, it's about to manifest into physical harm now. It's going to manifest into deaths, preventable, preventable deaths. And um, so, yeah, I don't know a single person, a single sane person who hasn't uh, really dealt with um, increased anxiety and oh, absolutely, blood pressure. and that's hopefully why you know one reason why I want to do this podcast is um, because well, first of all, I always I've said this before on the podcast, it's selfish altruism <laughs> because it <laughs> my favorite me. kind, my favorite kind. It's a my really fun. Kind. It's a great brand um, yeah. because it helps me. It. it Truly, these conversations help keep me sober, 100%. Yeah. Truly, these conversations help remind me to take my medication, to meditate, yeah. to clean my house, uh, you know, all these different things. Uh, honestly, I have Polly the cat in part because when I did a chat with John Cryer, you know, I'd been talking to our friend Heather Fink about fostering cats and thinking about it. And then uh, after we got off the horn, John Cryer was like, wait, I forgot to say that I feel like it would help people if they fostered animals. And I was like, all right, I got to do it. So really, this podcast is absolutely (laughs) one reason why. So for all these different reasons. But I think that hearing people talk about this stuff, especially when somebody's isolated or maybe they only have friends who are Trump supporters and they're yeah. like the one token liberal or what progressive. Yes. Is. This helps. I think it helps people feel more attached. And I'm wondering 
what do you think that people, for people who are specifically interested in combating or um, I want to say combating racism at this time, we're doing anti-racist work specifically around um, Asian community that's dealing with this, but maybe they're just Maybe somebody listening to this is a white person in a holler in in Western North Carolina, where I loved living, but like far away from the the hippies of Asheville. Somebody who's people are listening and they're rural and they're relatively isolated, and maybe they don't have any Asian friends, but they want to help and they have a good heart, you know. And so it's not like if somebody can't be of service because they simply don't have a diverse community, but they have a diverse mindset and they're online. What can they do to help create a more warm and welcoming and safe environment and show that they're standing up for our Asian American friends and family? Um, I, I think, first of all, I have to say, go back and agree with you before I answer that question, which is, um, all these conversations help. And that is kind of the basis of why I'm so vocal online also about politics and about how I feel, even if it does feel scary for me sometimes, because I know that the opposition, um, to my beliefs, um, can be scary. And I know that, um, yeah, so that can be risky, but, um, so yeah, I think that speaking out is the civic duty of our time. Um, so that's really important. Keep that conversation going. I don't know if you're listening to our podcast or online or whatever you're posting, um, take, take a stand, you know, really take a stand if you can. Um, cause our platforms are free you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they're free and you can use them. You can reach people and they're powerful. I mean, they're used to sway elections. Um, unnamed foreign countries use them to sway elections. <laughs> so use the platform, the very free, amazing platform you have in a useful way. I mean, I definitely want to hear about all of your makeup tips and like your cute hot selfie, but try to intersperse it with something useful because you can do a combination. You can just do, do a you combo. Can, you can yeah. drop the skincare routine and yeah. also say, hey, remember to be kind during this time. Remember to be accepting and 60, not 40. Exactly. Exactly. Vote. You can do it all. It's yeah. great. Do a real high, low mix. Superficial yes. yet deep. High, low. That's our favorite. Favorite. And then the other question about how do you support Asians in America or Asians, Asian Americans during this time? I know that there are um, a couple of campaigns going on right now. Um, I was just participating in one yesterday from um, the lovely people who created the phenomenal T-shirt. So it's phenomenal woman, phenomenally Latina, and they have one that's phenomenally Asian. And so we had a lot of um, people online sharing that and sharing this message. There's another one coming up soon called with the hashtag hate is a virus. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose if you are isolated and you do have a platform or social media of any kind, it would be great to utilize your media for that purpose. Yeah, um, even on your Facebook. You because it really, Facebook. yeah, on your Facebook, because it really is social pressure. Because if you are in that small town and you take a stand, it's like, oh, oh, maybe that's that that's not the right thing to think or say. Like that's that's just a really, you know, grassroots based way to disseminate information. Um, and you don't have to get into it with your cousin who blah blah says this or that. Or you just uh, speaking to my whites out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love white with the H before. 
Speaking <laughs> to all my whites out there, like if your cousin with the weird uh, Reddit conspiracies, and Reddit can be a great place, by the way, but I'm just saying your cousin or your hateful auntie or whoever the fuck, you don't have to get into it with them. You can put something on, on Instagram and you can limit the comments so that nobody can comment there. You could just put up the image, an image that says um, hashtag hate is a virus. And you can just put in the caption, please remember to be kind to others and don't blame people or whatever you want to. Like you don't have to get into it. You don't have to defend your viewpoint. Just putting that up there, whether somebody tells you or not, is going to make somebody feel better and less scared. Even if it's your cousin's cousin's cousin who lives super far away from you and you met them once in a baby shower. Like seriously, it really does help people feel. They'll still read it and stop and think. Mm-hmm. And sort of maybe know that it's wrong. I don't know. And the yeah. other thing is, like, if you can, I I think in this time, I mean, I hope that everyone is at home socially distancing, but um, try to support any Asian businesses online or takeout, delivery, food, anything, um, because I think um, not only is it painful to boycott Asian businesses. It's just silly to our economy, especially yeah. when we're in this place. Like, let's try to keep that flowing. Also, shout out to the, and I don't know if this is specific to, I don't think it's specific to like any one country of origin in Asia, but shout out to the grannies and Asian American folks and Asian immigrant folks who are the ones who I've always seen who wore masks on planes. Yeah. Who wore out because it's, my understanding is that it is, um, in some ways, it's a gesture of respect for others. Like if you're, if you've got a cough or a cold, you're not feeling well, you keep that mask on or it's just a self-protective thing or it's both. That's so fucking smart. It's a polite thing. I mean, I remember going to Korea when I was a kid and and seeing, you know, and I would put on a mask sometimes going out on the street. One was because of the pollution. I felt like, you know, it was a little different, a little different of an atmosphere to Australia. But um, it is seen also as a polite thing to do. Um, It it looks a little weird, but that's where we are. But now it doesn't look weird. Now now we're all doing it. And it's really just a sign of, hey, I'm doing this for you as much as... For me, and this this is the weirdest thing to come out this time, which is that now we just like love the average person on the street. Like you cannot stop me from waving across the street and going, hey, neighbor, you know, because <laughs> we're just all so lonely and it's terrible. Whereas in the past, I would have been like, don't even think about talking to me. I Well, you know this. I found out that that my friend Miri, who runs MiriesList.org, yes. helping refugees in our Southern California community and beyond, hundreds of families who've been resettled here by the U.S. government as refugees, who, by the way, everybody listening, have to pay back the U.S. government for the cost of resettling them. I had no idea until I started volunteering. Yeah, so we should go ahead and cancel that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's cancel that. Yeah. I didn't even know that my friend Miri, who isn't my close friend, but my friend, uh, she lives like two doors down from me. And I hadn't even known my, I know my across the way neighbors. I didn't know. Granted, she just moved in relatively recently, but I didn't know. And that's, you know, why I was able to go have like fellowship and friendship with her the other day at a distance, wearing gloves with my, with my box of Mary's Gone Crackers to give to her. And she, you know, gave me back quite a lot of joy, but like, it's, Yeah. And she's, I mean, that it's making people notice who the fuck their neighbors are, myself included. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a really horrible time. And it's also, you know, 
everybody's doing it right. As far as I can see in the neighborhood, everybody's staying home and keeping their distance. And it's not because we're all so afraid that we're all going to get it. It really, for me, is like I don't have a lot of fear that I will get it because I'm not in contact now with a lot of people and I've really sort of home isolated. Um, And haha, if I get it, it's just going to suck after saying that. But I don't think that it's for me. It really is that I don't want to burden our healthcare system. If we burden our healthcare system, it becomes chaotic. What are we going to do? That's that's the biggest thing. That is why we are social isolating. It's not about anyone encroaching on your freedom or anything like that. It is about keeping those hospital admittance numbers down. And we have, the, we have the, the sad benefit of getting to look at different examples. So we can look at China, yes, South we know Korea, what's coming. and then we look at Italy. And so, like, yes. we have some different, uh, you know, we, we, one of the dangers of coding it as the Chinese virus, which is hilarious. The Spanish flu is not from Spain, but it got tagged with that. But one of the dangers of the racist othering, the coding of it as the Chinese virus, as if the Chinese invented it, as if it's an Asian thing or Chinese thing, is that you get a situation where a country that is not China or a country that is not Asian thinks that it won't hit as bad or something. And well, then, there's and, a lot and, you know, of cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. When something is really scary and it's overwhelming for your brain to process, um, you just kind of tune out. I've, I've had friends in my life that were like, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be just like the flu. It's not that bad. It won't really come here. And um, yeah, sadly, your feelings and your intuitions and your gut instinct is not going to help out here. I mean, it really is. If you want to peek into the future, you really have to gonna go with the statistics and the numbers and the spread and the medical scientific facts of this case, which is that it's unbelievably infectious and it is spreading like wildfire around the globe. And it doesn't exempt you just because you just feel like it it won't, you know, mm-hmm. hit you. It doesn't it That's, doesn't exempt you because you live in the yeah. country, rural areas. I have yeah. a lot of family in rural areas. It does not exempt you. It does not yeah. exempt you because you're you're healthy. It does not exempt you because no. you're you're over sixty and you only take one medication or no. It also doesn't exempt you if you're young. I mean Correct. It, there's a lot of data coming out of Italy saying that, that, and France actually, that there are a lot of people in their 20s to 40s that are being hospitalized. Um, so, yeah, I mean, cognitive dissonance, not going to help you. Going to have to read the news, be upset and try to process and sort of just buck up. Because, you know, I always think when I was little and you'd study like World War Two and World War One, you're like, wow, what those people went through was so enormous. And life is so easy now. We don't have that. Like I didn't grow up in a war. I was really lucky. I grew up in a really nice universal healthcare, you know, developed world. And, and now you kind of get a sense of, oh God, we're all together in this one fight against this one common enemy. And it's affecting every single person, every person. So everybody has to do that bit, even if that's as little as, um, reading the news and informing your neighbors and informing the people in your life, that's already a huge thing. You never know um, who that's going to save. And if you've got excess, if you've got excess stuff, like try to share it in a, in a safer way. Like if you feel, if you know, you bought, if you, let's say you bought way more toilet paper than you're going to need, which I did. um, And then you feel guilty because you realize, oh shit, I've hoarded this and other people can't have it. 
Well, then you can like wrap it up in plastic or, you know, I don't know, do it. Don't, don't put bleach on toilet paper. I don't want you to, somebody to bleach their asshole. That is some, that is an industry, especially here in Los Angeles. Bleaching your asshole is something that you can pay a professional to do. We do not want you putting bleach in the mucous membranes. Okay. But if you've got excess and you're like, fuck, I overbought, like, which I did. Then you're like, you can look at the people in your neighborhood and in your area who might need some. Or um, especially if you've got like family that's immune suppressed or friends or, or just strangers, just throw it out there and it'll make you feel better. Because I realized, oh, I fucked up. I, I did the overbuying thing. And then I was like, wait, I can make this better. And now I can just give it to people for free. So it's, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. And as far as we know, the grocery stores will stay open and that things will keep stocking. And even if, even under lockdown, you know, citizens can go out and buy their groceries. As far as we know, that is what we're being told by our great governor, governor actually, who I have to shout out. Gavin Newsom is doing an amazing job. He is. Gavin really, Newsom is so doing grateful. a really good job. Yeah. Um, he's doing a great job. And, and about three of my friends texted me during his press conference asking me why he's so hot. <laughs> he has very Commissioner Gordon Gotham vibes. And I'm, I love the scratchy voice. And someone actually texted me that, they wanted him to hold them. <laughs> I was yeah, like, so okay, yeah. He's a babe. He's a babe. And he's a clever babe, which is lethal. Absolutely yeah. lethal. Yeah, especially when you're surrounded by a C, not a C, but when when we look at our federal government, listen, I mean, I don't have I don't have babe feelings about the uh, about Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, but this man coming right out of a partial nephrectomy, a partial kidney removal surgery. On a, I believe on a Wednesday, on a Friday, was already directing coronavirus response and has been so on top of this shit. I can't tell you how grateful I am to Governor Murphy, not just because at NJGov is the best Twitter account and the best Instagram. It account, really is. It really run is. Run by women, by the way. Um, but like New Jersey's online communications and radio communications, TV communications have been so fucking fantastic in terms of communicating every day, updates, educating, being very clear and very steady because I believe that they recognized that this was not going to, we were not going to get guidance from, from our uh, abusive orange stepfather. Yeah, um, the like man that we didn't mo- most of us didn't choose the popular vote. Most of us chose uh, the 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 gal, but we didn't choose. Uh, but sometimes our uh, deeply codependent troubled mom, aka the rest <laughs> of the country, <laughs> chooses a shitty stepdad, and so we've got our crappy creamsicle, craft orange dinner Palpatine. At the, and, you know, sometimes your older siblings in the form of, like, governors are like, all right, fuck it. I got to raise these kids myself. So I just want to run away from home. I yeah. <laughs> just want to run away from home and go to, <laughs> I don't know, Iceland or somewhere just really far away Ooh, from abusive, Scand- unwelcome stuff. Scandinavia. Out. I have a friend who, Ingrid, uh, Ingrid Williams, who's a journalist. She's a travel journalist for The New York Times and other places. We grew up together. And, and she's just so great. And her mom um, is from uh, Sweden. And so she's got Swedish citizenship, EU citizenship and um, U.S. And she and her husband had been living in Italy where he has work. But they've also got a little flat in Stockholm. So they got they were able, thank God, to get on one of the last flights out of Italy. And so they're in Stockholm. And they do have a TP shortage in Stockholm. And they oh, are wow. 
self-quarantining in Stockholm, but it's it's better there. And, you know, I'm like, Scandinavia is just, ooh, ooh, to be there with that clean design right now, just living your life like it's golden with your other, like, like very streamlined neighbors. I feel like they all have very strong jaws and they're just like, well, of course, like queer people should be permitted to do whatever they want, <laughs> which is the way it should be. But to me as an American, I'm like, wow, you guys were all up in queer marriage before, like, or gay marriage before. <laughs> I said, like, women should be paid equal to men. That's wild. Isn't that wild? I mean, look, America is an incredible place of just endless possibilities. You can have a Barack Obama, a Barack Obama as president. And Donald Trump, you know, so <laughs> it, the, the, you you get the good with the terrible, maybe. I don't know. It, you it's like have... I really love America. And actually, you know, it, it's just the most unique country on earth. It's, it's the, you know, as, a, as, a, as an outsider looking at this country and getting to live here and having this like dual experience, living in Australia and then living in America, it, it's an amazing place with incredible people and culture and possibility and innovation and everything that, you know, the American dream, although it is under a fuck ton of stress right now, the idea doesn't really live in other countries. It's a really beautiful idea. I love the founding principles of America. You know, I don't believe in a um, elitist class system, not in any other colonial empires. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in um, any of that. I believe the in the principles of equality and, and freedom. I think it's a really beautiful um, idea to found a country on. Um, we just lost our way for the last four years and that's really, really, really sad. It makes me really sad. I hope we pull it together, I don't know. Well, you're my favorite American. <laughs> I do know all the words in the national anthem. Yeah, you I think it's pretty good. You also had to pass the fucking citizenship test, which is <gasps> I hard. Did. It was hard. There was so many questions. I think there's like 100 questions. It was really hard. I would probably, like, I think that a lot of, I always think it's funny every few years some media outlet will test people, um, you know, Americans who were born in these United States and Americans who were born elsewhere who immigrated here. And uh, inevitably, the folks who immigrated here do better on the citizenship test. I remember challenging an ex-boyfriend of mine who was American to, we were sitting in swingers one night. Um, oh, guys, by a, the way, Swingers is, is not a sex club. No, it's not. No, no, no. Um, it's a diner. It's an old kind of 50s diner that I love in, in West Hollywood. And we were sitting there and we just kind of bored. It's like midnight. And I was like, okay, well, okay, let's see who can name the most states in, in the next 60 seconds. And I won. I won. You did. You went and to an needless all- to say, I dumped him. What a fool! <laughs> you went to an excellent all girls high school in Sydney. Of I did, people, and you're also Are really you smart and not from America. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say, going to an all girls high school has informed so much of my personality. Like I never knew it was such a rude awakening for me to like go out into the world and realize that I had to compete with with men on any level. <laughs> <laughs> six years it was just all girls just having like an amazing experience and never having to yell in a classroom for attention or you know like I never thought about how I looked or any of those things when I was a teenager so that resulted in some hideous hideous looks for me Um, (laughs) but you but great confidence uh yeah like I know I don't know if it's confidence as much because that sounds like a really big grand thing it's more just Mm. knowing who you are 
really are and where you come from. That's that's such a thing that you can hold on to in life and it's and it's um, stabilizing. I don't know if it's confidence. I wouldn't describe myself as like a really super confident person. I have so many anxieties and neuroses as well. So I just um, like I generally don't hate myself. I like myself. I want to I want to root for me. Well, I think think you're fucking rad. I think you're (laughs) fucking rad. You're such a fucking rad person for doing this podcast. I mean, this is what we need. I (sighs) think you should have, you, Ali, should have a podcast or like a a daily YouTube show or something. Because you're great on camera. You're so smart, so funny. And I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. Like, I really think <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But, you anyway. know, I just don't want to, like, I don't want to bombard people with my shit, you know? Like, there's enough people, out people, there. We're craving it. We're craving it. Well, let's, one more time, let's, we haven't even gotten into Ziggy Rocher. <gasps> oh. Love of my life. Oh, God. Don't All right. Well, we're going to get into Ziggy Rocher, who's the best triangle face person <sighs> who is a dog. But <sighs> you're a genius. Thank you for being my friend. Ditto. Thank you for being my friend. I love you. I love you too. And uh, I'm going to keep calling you Alicia, but sometimes I'm still going to say Alicia when I'm tired, but I'm going to fix it. It's just going to be a habit. (laughs) I don't like to correct people on my name because I just feel like it's cool. Like it doesn't like hurt my ego if you pronounce it the wrong way. And then, I mean, this is kind of a dick move, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I was going to wait till we were friends for something like 10 years, like something really (laughs) uncomfortable. And then I was going to publicly like take you aside or or whatever, like on my Instagram, (laughs) Twitter feed, then call you out after like a decade of friendship. So this has been a practical joke in the making that you've ruined. And then I wanted to see your face then after 10 years of calling me the wrong name. Oh God, that would be so great. Well, you know, our friend (laughs) did point out to me that I was saying it wrong and I was like, oh, thank you so much. And so I corrected for a bit and then I went into uh, Corona apocalypse thinking and forgot. And it's funny because sometimes I'll just call you Allie, which is like the easy way to say it correctly. Um, But then I started saying Alicia again. Well, as what I love the most is when people do for my name, which is a tough name. My name is a tougher one to say. Ben and Casa is a strange last name. But um, what I love is when uh, people do what I call the Canadian pronunciation, which is it's I forget if they do Sarah or Sarah. Either way, I'm fine. It's Sarah, Sarah, whatever, Sarah. It's okay. But they go <laughs> Bean and Casa. Bean and Casa. <laughs> it's so Canadian. No. They go Sarah Bean and Casa, and I love it. I'm like I'm never gonna correct you on that. Sorry, it's just no, so it's better weird. And also, it's not my first name. When it's your first name, it it matters more. If it's your surname, most people aren't going. Like if I was saying. Alicia Haina. Like, I'm not going to say that to you that much, right? <laughs> Look, also, that's I very think, weird. I think, you know, it's totally forgivable because who is more well known, Alicia Keys or Alicia Vikander? Oh, that's true. You know, no one yeah. knows. No one knows who she is. So everyone leans on Alicia. It's it's totally fine. I'm just upset that it ruined my decade-long practical joke in the making. And now I'm going to have to find a new one, which is going to take no, time. No, it's, it's going to be easy. I mean, I am a sufficiently ridiculous person that you can certainly find another one. <laughs> also, Siri in Talk to Text always spells your name A-L-E-S-I-A, which I don't – because nobody has that name. Like, on my Siri, I don't know why. I must have known somebody at some point and spelled it the name that way, and they it, Siri just keeps doing it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, wait. There's one thing I do want to say to – 
to the, the people who are listening. Mm. Yes, with? Which is, I think, this is my tiny two cents to the, the quarantine, 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 our, quar- our, our quarantine times. Your um, quarantine? Um, which is that somebody told me this and it was life-changing for me. It led to a lot of like self-forgiveness and compassion for myself, which is an achievement um, does not equal worth and productivity doesn't equal worth. Um, so if you're not making a podcast or you're not doing anything or you're not reading a book or doing anything highbrow or getting ripped and in shape or eating the right foods, it's totally fucking fine. It's a fucking crazy time. Take it easy. This is what my dad always tells me. Just take it easy. Um, it's, it's just not a time to sort of look in the mirror and give yourself that talk of like, oh, like now's the time I'm going to learn how to be a five-star chef and, you know, put on 15 pounds of lean muscle and then finally write that novel that's been kicking around in my head. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's, don't... that's one thing I want to share because Thank I think you. that's overwhelming to people because, you know, suddenly having a lot of time on your hands and no end in sight because we don't know when it's going to end is really anxiety producing. That's one thing I just want to like put out into the world and like just everybody take a deep breath. Like it's, it's okay if you're doing nothing. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's very American to uh, go, 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 do, 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 produce, produce, produce. I think yeah. that's part of our founding myth. And it is so important to unlearn that at least some of the time because you can run yourself the fuck down and you can get yourself sick. I started to feel so tired. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, you know, truly, I don't care what my friends are doing or my family. I don't need my dad to tell me what he made today. Like, I don't need my friend to tell me, you know, how she's going in her work life. Like, I don't care. I just care that you're doing okay. Um, and so that should apply to everyone. You we just need our dads to, to stay off the golf course. Yes, oh. I understand that <laughs> if you go out by yourself, it's major social distancing. But seriously, dads, do not get on that golf course right now. I gave my dad a talking to and he full looked away from me on camera like he was a child. And I said, <laughs> I actually was like, look at me. Please look at me. <laughs> And I was like, is this what it's like to be a parent? Oh, God. Awful. We're parenting our baby boomer parents is uh, truly an extraordinary experience. Well, thank you, Alicia. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. That was the wonderful Alicia Hanna. My dream is that she hosts her own show like Rachel Maddow, but it can't be at the same time as Rachel because I think that Ali would not like being in competition with Rachel, you know, because, I mean, how does one compete with a goddess, really? By being another goddess, which she is, tough. I wanted to read something to you. It is from ramdas.org and um, it's, I, I find it to be interesting. It is by the man himself who we lost not super long ago. Certainly somebody who came from privilege, certainly somebody who used that privilege in a benevolent and caring way. And um, here's what he had to say. 
He said, you and I are in training to be free. We are in training to be so present, so spacious, so embracing. We're in training to not look away, deny or close our hearts when we can't bear something. The statement, I can't bear it, is what burns you out in social action. When you're in the presence of suffering and contracting, it's the contraction that starves you to death. If you can stay open to both the suffering and the joys and the stuff of life, all of it, then it's like a living spirit. It just connects you to your living spirit and there's a tremendous feeding going on. Once you see all this, what else is there to do but keep working on becoming conscious? You'd be a fool not to. You're only going to perpetuate your misery and suffering and everybody else's if you don't. I'll give it one year. I'll settle for two for you to live on two planes of consciousness simultaneously. The other thing is to do it joyfully. When you meet somebody that's suffering, what do you have to offer them? You could offer them your empathy. That's a good thing to offer because they feel somebody else is listening to them. The other thing you can offer them is your joy, your presence, and your not getting caught in it all. Anyway, there's more. Um, he was a great writer and a great teacher. So ramdas.org is a place to check out. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash sarahbenincasa to do more of that. You can use offer code SARA for 20% off plus free shipping at matrushka.com. Feel free to send me questions, comments, concerns, things that you would like to have addressed on the podcast, uh, requests for advice, perhaps. Sarah at sarahbenincasa.com. Uh, me and Polly will be sure to get at you and let you know what's up. Thank you so much. Have a good one. <laughs>